Well, Christmas is just around the corner, but that doesn't mean the news for the automotive industry stops at all. We've got a jam-packed show this week and um, tons of motorsport, tons of local and a little bit of international to, to keep us going. And um, to d- discuss all of that with me this week, we've got Joel Strickland back as always at Joel Strick Photo. Welcome back. Hi, Ash. How's it been uh, for you this week in uh, in Victoria? Yeah, busy week again. Uh, lots going on down here, so a uh, bit of nice weather again, which is uh, which is always nice. So, um, yeah. What about uh, you? Your way in Queensland? Uh, yeah, it's been a bit wet um, so far this weekend, um, and it's uh, the predictions are saying that it's going to remain nice and wet. Hopefully, we don't get too much, um, you know, any other negative consequences that come from having a lot of rain. Um, we haven't had a, a good recent history with uh, lots of rain, so hopefully, it's just enough to to top up the dams, and uh, that's it. But I think um, I've been pretty spoilt this week with cars simply um, because I think driving in the rain when you've got, you know, what I've been driving this week, um, just a little bit more enjoyable, a little bit more, um, <laughs> a bit more relaxing at the same time. It's always so, good. So what's, uh, what's in the garage this week? Yeah, so this week it's uh, one that I've been anticipating for a really long time and we've spoken about it a lot on the show, and that's the Genesis GV80. Um, currently in nice. the spec, it's a 3.5T with the luxury package. So it is, um, in terms of the hierarchy, it is the top model. And um, by adding the luxury pack, which is available across all three variants of the Genesis GV80, which is available, um, you do get a ton of the, I guess, the cool techie features that really set um, this apart from probably a lot of other similarly specced or priced vehicles um, and particularly allows it to sets it up to, to to compete against the the European vehicles which it's aiming for such as the x5 um, the, the q7 and um, and the Mercedes of course so um, priced that in this particular spec at about $121,000 um, you get a lot for that money and um, it certainly does a lot of things um, very, very well. In terms of passenger comfort, um, there's literally almost anything to to complain about. Um, so front passengers and the second row uh, do have heated and cooled seats as well as electronically adjustable seats. So um, even those passengers sitting in the second row have an ability to change the the tilt and the pit and the pitch of the um of, of the seat so if they're wanting to to lie back a lot more comfortably um you can do so as well as being able to put through the infotainment screen be able to put each set of seats into what they call like a rest position. So if you've got kids in the back and they've fallen asleep, you'll be able to actually sit those and adjust their seats from the front into a rest position so they're a little bit more comfortable as they snooze um, during a drive, which is nice. Um, but during the the hot weather and obviously now the, the cooler weather we've, we've had with the rain, it's nice it's just one of those things which is so nice to have having heated and cooled seats um, as well as in that second row. 
Um, in terms of uh, everything else, you you have um, uh, electronic privacy blinds in the back. You do have um, a normal sunroof at the front and a glass panel over um, the second row in terms of um, roof accessories, uh, fold-down mirrors, um, for for all four front passengers, uh, there is a third row, and that third row does get cup holders and, and their own air conditioning vents. So um, nobody will be going to, um, you know, no need to be afraid that they're going to overheat or or anything like that because you do have um, a really great uh, set of vents at the back there to keep everybody cool. Um, One cool party trick feature that the GV80 has, um, which I haven't seen on anything but um, the the Rolls-Royce Phantom with the extended um, wheelbase, is what they call passenger talk. And um, passenger talk, you can you can set it up onto a favorite button on the steering wheel and um, you hit that and it projects your voice through the microphone and out the rear speakers. Yeah, nice. Um, so great if you need to, to have a conversation or if you need to, to tell somebody to stop it, um, stop mucking around, you can do that. And that's just a, it sort of a, makes that communication a little bit a little bit easier to have um, from the front as well as you can also have um, there's just so many features uh, there's one there's there's a quiet mode which limits the the speakers to a certain um, loudness but it also only it, it only plays through the front speakers so you can turn off all of the speakers in the back of the car to not disturb what's going on in the back um, there's uh, augmented reality for the navigation um, you have active or what they call like road active noise cancellation which um, cancels out a lot not all of it but the majority of all of your road noise um, and cars going past and things like that. There is uh, like, and there's a lot of upsides to that. It is just, it makes the cabin super quiet. Um, but it also does probably a little bit too good of a job by blocking out sirens until they get right up, um, yeah, right up next like to you. Um, so that's probably, you know, that's just one thing to, to be aware of. And it is um, one of those features, same with the, the road preview, uh, for the suspension you can't deactivate it i was hoping to find a, a setting in the car that i could sort of play and turn it on and off um just to see what those differences were between the system being active and, and not um but it's just not one of those things that they make an, an option available to you to turn off yeah. um so but it does make a big difference to um, just how comfortable and, and how relaxing it is to drive um, and being in the car. Um, what else? There's there's tons of things. Um, the, the infotainment display is um, what I call like a super wide display and um, allows a, it, it works really well in a, in a wide range of different um, lighting scenarios. Probably one of the best screens I've come across so far. Um, so whether it's like big, bright, full-on direct sunlight, cloudy, glary days, or even at night, um, the the infotainment and even the information, uh, your 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 instrument cluster uh very easy to see high resolution they look great um and uh works with apple carplay android auto as well um as well as you can do mirror cast to it so if you do have um like an android device and you want to project a, a video to it you can that is possible um but yeah it is uh 
just an overall from a from a driver and passenger experience an excellent an excellent ride um it does get a ton of um of of reactions on the road a lot of people wanting or trying to figure out what it is um because it's just not a lot of people familiar with the genesis brand um but yeah there's there's tons of features and we could probably spend you know an hour or even more talking about it um but overall performance on the road is good um so you do have three engine choices to choose from a two two and a half liter petrol or three and a half liter v6 petrol which is what we were driving and also three liter diesel um they are all all-wheel drive um no low range or anything like that, but I don't expect you'll be taking these off-road really anywhere. Um, they do have, you know, in this particular model, has uh, it has 22-inch um, wheels with 265 width. So it does look a little bit funny when you're following it behind because you, you do expect we you know in today's era of having um, BMW X5s with you know 300 plus mil width tires um two six fives on a on a large suv kind of look a little a little bit narrow um but in most performance scenarios they they handle great um there's what's a little uh, touch controller like in it um it it's a bit of a it, it takes a smidge to get used to, but then it's not too bad. Handwriting recognition has a little bit of a way to go. It's not as good as BMWs. Mm-hmm. Um, I found that I had to do a lot of correcting uh, on that, but what I ended up using most of the time was just the voice. Um, mm-hmm. the, the voice button connects to your smart assistant on your mobile phone, so you just hit that button, and that's how I was able to get directions and, and all that kind of thing. But it does make, if you're wanting to, to take advantage of, like, the augmented reality um, where it overlays the directions of where you need to be going, the instructions over the actual road that you're driving over. Um, it is a little bit clumsy to, to input the, the the address because you can't actually use a voice assistant um, or even voice control to ask for an address to be put in as the nav because yeah. that voice assistant is actually exclusive to CarPlay and Android Auto. So if you have no phone connected, it won't work. Um, that button, it will actually tell you that you need to connect it um, and to use that feature. So it is a little bit, it, it's not perfect, and it, but it is merely a, a software update, which I believe um, given that, you know, the the G80, the GV80, and even to a certain extent, the GV70, GV, GV70, which we'll talk about in, a, in not too long, are all sharing a lot of this technology. I, expe- I expect that to get better over time as they get more and more data of how people use it. Um, but overall, like, yeah, uh, it, it's, it takes a second to get used to. You can always fall back to the touchscreen. It is a touchscreen. Um, but... Yeah, you just felt guilty touching the beautiful display and leaving, leaving you know, some some mild um, uh, fingerprints on there when you're using it. Um, Which engine did you have? So it was the three and a half liter petrol, uh, okay. the V6. So it performed very well. It, it's got all the all the power that you need. It is a little, you know, it is thirsty like a V6. Yeah, um, you would expect that from that a size. V6. Yeah, yeah. So, um, but I. I need to talk to Genesis and, and clarify because they say that on all of the specs, um, it is an 80-litre fuel tank, but um, the couple of times I've filled it up, 
that maths hasn't worked out um, simply because filling up with about 50 litres gives me a 7 eighths full tank. Yeah, um, right. Filling up with just over 30 litres of fuel gives me just over half a tank. So that would kind of tell me that it's a 60 litre tank in there um, and not an 80 litre one, but it, all of the paraphernalia that I've been looking at says that it's an 80 litre tank. So yeah. I'm not too sure if there's a bit of a mix up there or or something else might be going on. But um, if it is something else going on, I think it's just a, it's probably an early production thing um, and just a, a thing with the fuel sensor that's going on in this particular car. But it is consistently it's consistent enough of that even the you know almost a thousand kilometers i've done in that car now um that it does tell me that it's probably a 60 liter tank and not an 80 liter tank so there might be a mistake yeah. somewhere in that one and a 60 liter tank makes it feel probably a little bit small mm-hmm. um because you do only get about 450 to about 480 kilometers out of a fuel tank um so depending on you know what sort of use you're using this car for that might feel like, um, even though it doesn't change, you know, your your running costs, it just feels like you're filling up a lot more often, um, which can give the, you know, the the illusion of that, you know, you're just burning through a lot more fuel than you know you, need you might be. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I think it's comparing to other. SUVs in the same size category across the luxury and everything like that. I think it's extremely competitively priced um, and extremely well specced. Um, the leather feels like it's high quality. It drives like it feels, you know, it drives like a high, you know, a luxury vehicle should, and not that it's a, you know, what some other people would say is like, oh, it's a Hyundai. Um, and I think that just does it a huge disservice by saying that it is a Hyundai, just like how, you know, the Lexus, um, you know, went like even the other vehicle I've been driving this week is the LC500, just saying, oh, it's just a Toyota. When in reality, you go, no, this is a totally different vehicle. This is doing a totally different thing. Um and it stands, you know, sort of above what you kind of see anything out of coming out of the Hyundai badged vehicles. Um, and I think it, you know, as awareness grows and, you know, what we're doing, talking about it and, and sharing our thoughts on it, um, I do hope I see a lot more on the road because, um, yeah, it is good, a good car for, for, the, for, for the money that it's asking. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, it seems to be, and hopefully we will see more of them. And it's weird though. I was, I was actually at a dealership during the week and um, they, uh, that was a Hyundai dealership and they actually had a Genesis on display. Yeah. Um, I think it was a secondhand one, but yeah, just the fact that you, you know, you saw one on the lot, that was, uh, it was pretty cool to see. So um, yeah, but yeah, I think uh, you would have enjoyed the LC. I love that car. Uh, yeah. So the LC, the LC 500 is, um, you know, it's a, it's a $200,000 sports coupe. Um, it's got performance figures that would, you know, be supercar level a number of years ago um zero 104.4 seconds you know it's a 341 kilowatt v8 um you know it's a it's a proper japanese um could you say a, a super sports car 
I would, you know, I'd, I'd argue uh, it. Yeah, it's a, it's a it's a step up from a sports car. Um, yeah, because it, yeah. it it really does aim perform. You know, the performance numbers are kind of becoming irrelevant now because there's so many vehicles at so many different price points. Um, like say the GR Yaris, even where anything between four and four and a half seconds is just you could spend $50,000 or you could spend $300,000 and get a car that does similar performance. Um, but, but it's all about how it does it. And, um, and I think the Lexus to me is all about presence, um, and giving you, uh, you know, an excellent GT experience. Um, it, it surpassed um, my expectations of what a car could do, a sport, you know, a sports car, sports coupe could do on comfort settings. Um, it was, it felt just as smooth and just as refined as the the Genesis, or even more so. Um, where if you just want to cruise into work, um, you know, during the week you can and, and be completely comfortable. There's no need to go, oh, well, the suspension's too hard or, you know, it's undrivable and, and that kind of thing. It's good. No, nope, you can hop in. You've got plenty of boot space. You've got um, fairly, you know, it's not the hardest thing to get in and out of. It's actually quite um, quite moderate. I've had, a you know, grandparents that are, you know, in their 80s hop in and out and, and not, you know, not be too worried about it at all. Um, it's got Apple CarPlay. It's got a good sound system. Um, you know, so it does all of those duties. But then when you want to, to open it up on the weekend, um, you know, you can whack it into sport or even sport plus mode and um, put it into the manual gear shift and it just comes alive. You can really rev out up to 7,000 RPM, um, that V8, and the intake sound is just, um, you know, it's after after driving a lot of turbocharged vehicles and and a lot of small displacement vehicles um it's so nice to to hear a, a naturally aspirated um v8 rev out <laughs> um it's it's just a a wonderful experience and um you know yeah, the, the noise from the v8 is just magical yeah and there's just so many features on this as well um it, it's got pretty much everything that you would expect from you know a modern just recently updated car um but then it you know it gets a lot of the 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 performance things right without going too far the other way and making it you know uncomfortable for you so it's a great car to pack up and go you know hit the mountains over the weekend and then you know drive into the office on on, on the monday um or even do the odd track so track days so this car that i'm driving at the moment has done a few um a few laps around the circuit and um it it just uh you can see sort of like the, the little battle scars and the tires and everything like that. But I could just see this being also a lot of fun for someone who doesn't want to go too crazy in, in, in investing in a, in a track toy, um, but still wants to have that rewarding experience. Like when yeah, use it, it doesn't have, occasions. yeah, it doesn't have an overrun feature. So you don't get a lot of cracks and pops when you sort of take your foot off the accelerator or anything like that, but it, it feels like it still does a little bit, but not as aggressive as say, you know, <laughs> The other stuff that's out there on the market, but I think it still has that. Um, oh, it's got when, its own you, when you when you when you max out the revs and you're changing gears, it does give you a nice little snap. Um, the 
the exhaust is great to to hear from the outside. You don't get that feedback because you're overwhelmed by the um, by the intake noise from from inside the cabin. But it also has a, a great sound on the outside. Um, and even probably the most fun is just going and downshifting when you're coming into a set of lights. That is, it's it's a lot of fun and yeah. very satisfying. The paddle system in it is really good too. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, it's um it does a does a great job. I think um it's probably it looks a little bit more special. It has a huge amount of presence on the road. The like the LC five hundred is not a small car. It is quite large, and um, when you put it against uh, you know the the likes of like the BMW eight series, which are kind of you know they're they're trading blows in that price point and um i just can't help but think but the lexus it doesn't have it might not have the same little badge appeal to the to to the wide audience but man it doesn't look a lot more special in the 8 series um when you see it parked and you know out on the road it just it just looks special um and feels like it's a it's a it's an underrated big deal if that makes any sense yeah, and I think that's the thing is there. Um, I have I've only driven the V8. I'm really interested to see what the hybrids like. Um, I think it doesn't have that obviously that noise and everything. But I think it would be, you know, if you don't want the V8 but you still want that cruiser, I think the uh, the hybrid version would be quite nice. Yeah, and the fuel economy difference obviously is is going to be huge. Jumping in between, you know, a, a, a V6 hybrid and and the natural spread V8, and I think that's where, um, yeah, I I'm hopefully we'll get a chance over the Christmas break to to drive the hybrid version, um, and I think it'll be really interesting just to see what those two different experiences are like, and, and can you still have the fun on that mountain road um, in the V6 with the hybrid, as well as, you know, um, that, that multi-purpose role of cruising in the city. And obviously I think that's where the hybrid will come alive is, you know, you'll make up a lot of those fuel economy gains and a lot of that comfort and quietness um, when going into built up areas where that will really come alive. So yeah, I'm really curious to see uh, where that is. And I'd love to learn sort of from Lexus what those sales numbers, those differences are, what are people opting for? Um, because it is a, a, a proper hybrid system like this isn't too common um, in, in vehicles in this price bracket trying to be a, a you know, a two-door GT car. No. But yeah, so, uh, but I, I hand that Lexus back on, on, on Thursday, so I've got a few more days with it and <laughs> plenty of rain. So it's always a measure between um, it's it's always testing the the traction control and how well that works, and it's it's done a good a good job. So yeah, far. they do they do a good job. I did drive it in the rain, and it yeah. um, it it handles itself quite well. Yeah, um, but coming up next, when the the Genesis goes back tomorrow, and uh, we'll be picking up the um, the XC40 plug-in hybrid. Oh, uh, that'll be Volvo. nice. Yeah, so looking forward to that. It's uh, I think it, it's a lot more exciting to to get these sorts of vehicles coming in at the you know at that compact small SUV range and um, having a plug-in hybrid, not just a hybrid, but a plug-in hybrid. Um, I'm I'm very much looking forward to, and I've been following Mick. He at Low Flight Tech, um, he's had the. The, the hybrid just last week and so i've been following along in his adventure and um yeah i'm looking forward to to having my own <laughs> come monday yeah i'll be interested to hear about that next week 
Yeah. Okay. Should we get into some motorsport news? Um, yeah. So Porsche, obviously, following in like what we spoke about with the supercars uh, last week announcing the calendar, Porsche with the 2021 Carrera Cup calendar um, has or has also been uh, uh, revealed with it being this, you know, the Repco Supercars Championship Premier Support category. Um, so yeah, it looks like a good, good run of events for, for these guys as well. Um, mirroring yeah. what looks to be mostly the supercars um, calendar. Yeah, the fact that they're able to put it together so that it is back to where it kind of belongs and following the supercars championship yeah. as its premier support category, um, it just, which is pretty cool to see. Um, and they'll be um, doing – so they start at the Grand Prix in March, then they go to the Bend – then Townsville, then they're doing night race at Sydney Motorsport Park, then off to Perth, Bathurst again, um, and then across to New Zealand, all things uh, hopeful, um, and then uh, the Gold Coast uh, to finish the the championship for them, So, which is a traditional finish for them anyway, but it'll be... Um, yeah, that'll be interesting because that'll be the end of um, the championship as well for supercars. So, yeah, the, it'll be very, very interesting. Normally the, the Gold Coast round for for um, uh, Carrera Cup was always prior to the end of – was a couple of rounds before the end of supercars, and now they actually both have the, the same uh, round to finish up the year. So that's exciting. And and the other thing we, we heard this week was that um, they've released uh, – not for, not for us for next year, but the year after we're going to have the new um carrera cup car has been announced for 2022 it's actually going to be running um next year overseas which is the 911 gt3 cup car based on the current generation 992 car uh and um, porsche have released some images of that and it looks stunning yeah um, it looks looks amazing yeah um, interesting new design great. steering wheel inside um it's gone for a, like a effectively if you imagine a traditional steering wheel with the top cut off so yeah. um traditionally it's been more like a gamer wheel than that sort of bow tie style it, it looks but, a bit more um a bit more old school yeah it's very old school with the yeah. with the porsche crest in the center with the way that it looks it looks very sort of 80s 911 but with the top cut off it so um yeah this thing i saw some talk during today online uh, through twitter through a couple of guys that were talking about it and they reckon it'll do sort of 205s around bathurst um when it's wow. here in, in in just uh, just under two years time well in two years time when they're back at bathurst um with this new car because it'll start in our championship from the start of 2022. Um, yeah. So, yeah, uh, very, very interesting to watch. Uh, puts out about 375 kilowatts, which is about 510 horsepower. Um, it will debut in, obviously, North America and also be campaigned in the um, Porsche Mobile One Super Cup uh, next year overseas. So, yeah, should be uh, interesting to watch. Uh, it'll be... Um, yeah, it's going to be exciting for the drivers that will get to to get to drive it um, when it when it's here. So that's exciting. Mm. Um, and then obviously we've got F1 that's on this weekend, final round live from uh, Abu Dhabi, which is later tonight as we talk to you at the moment. Um, but one of the exciting things, obviously Hamilton's back after his little um, uh, foray away with his COVID uh, diagnosis, but apparently he said he's not 100% and he's not feeling it, and, and hence why we've seen he's not on pole and Max is on pole for tonight's race. But one of the very interesting things we saw uh, this week, and I heard it was happening, and I um, 
hadn't seen it too much being pushed online, but I actually went hunting for it. Um, and Fernando Alonso was going to be back in his 2005 championship um, Renault R25 race car, and he did some laps at Yas Marina on Friday, and the sound is unbelievably sweet. Yeah. Um, and the footage is just mesmerising to watch this car belt around um, Abu Dhabi. But even you know, it was it was on Friday afternoon, I believe, um, their time. But the sun was out, so she would have been pretty hot for old uh, Fernando in in the car. But it is just mesmerising to watch the car, not only just because, you know, the, the engine noise being that previous generation car, but the fact that it's um, the design and everything, it's just kind of weird. We, mm-hmm. we talked about how they were, they've been talking about maybe increasing sort of wheel size and things like that. It's interesting to see just the way that the car is sits, um, you know, with the nose cone design and the larger wheels and everything else. It, it's just an amazing looking car. And then the Renault at that time in that fabulous blue and yellow um paintwork is just fantastic to watch but i did read i haven't been able to watch it yet but the guys at sky sport actually did a comparison between the current car and this one and Mm. the current car is about four to five ish seconds faster than this car even though it's got you know this one's got the bigger engine and and that in it but um yeah fascinating to to see that but yeah the guys at sky actually did a comparison but um yeah, it's just amazing. There's a great bit of footage as he's coming onto the main straight. All the crews from the different teams leaning over the wall with their phones out, filming it while you go down yeah. the drive. And the other thing is, is that uh, people with their hand, their fingers in the ears because it is that loud. So um, we'll definitely share the video that F1 put up uh, in the show notes. But yeah, it's just uh, pretty amazing to watch. So yeah, the the championship finishes up tonight, um, which will be um, very interesting to watch um, in terms of. You know, with with Max on pole and and um, Carla, um, sorry, um, uh, the, the Mercedes in two and three, um, and then we've got um, Lando in fourth. It's going to be an interesting race to watch, um, and with. Um, Lewis not feeling his best, uh, it should be entertaining. But by the time you listen to yeah. this, it'll be over and we'll know the winner. That was, that was, you know, what I was thinking is how is, um, you know, how is he going to go over the entire length of the yeah. race? It's um, not going to be, it's not going to be cool. It is going to be hot. No. So yeah. he will struggle, I think, in the car. So that'll be, um, that'll be certainly interesting to just to see how he goes there. Yeah. Um, but the other thing that has sort of come out this week is the um, the entry list, or which is not confirmed, you know, 100% as we know. Yeah. Um, but, you know, there's obviously a few interesting things to pick up from the new entry list because obviously Renault becomes our P next year with Fernando and Esteban behind the wheel. Mm-hmm. Uh, Racing Point becomes Aston with obviously Sebastian and Lance behind the wheel. Um, Haas, well, that's all a bit of a mess at the moment. We won't even start talking about Nikita, but we are excited to see Mick Schumacher race. Um, and then obviously McLaren now with obviously Lando and his new teammate Daniel Ricciardo, no changes at Mercedes with Lewis and Valtteri. But under Red Bull, there is a TBA. So Max is listed as one driver and a TBA for the second driver. Yeah. And then it's sister, sister team at Scuderia AlphaTauri. Uh, Pierre Gasly is mentioned, but there is another 
TBA as the second driver. So the talk is that um, Kvyat will possibly lose his seat um, and uh, Yukiri to, to Sonoda um, will possibly take his um, drive. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, there's then obviously the new lineup at Ferrari with Charles is uh, obviously on uh, back there again, and then Carlos Sainz, and then obviously no changes at Williams with George Russell and Nicholas Latifi. But yeah, that uh, it's interesting to see that's what the current um, list is put at. So two, 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 two TBAs, um, and the question is, who are those TBAs? You know, will it be? Yeah. Um, well, look, I, I'd hope. I kind of feel for for Albon. Um, I think Red Bull have kind of put themselves in a, in a, in a tough position because um, you know three out of the four Red Bull drivers that are on there are all ex. Well, you know, seemingly going to be ex uh, Red Bull drivers. You know, they've had a stint in the Red Bull and they've been taken out um, and replaced with each other. And Albon now obviously has faced uh, similar challenges as um, Gasly and Kvyat. Um, and and I kind of feel for, for Albon and Kvyat because Kvyat... He he took some time off from from Formula One. He he then came back, um, and you know I think he he's become a, a really mature, polished racer right. um, who's put in some solid results. Like the the both have been qualifying f- strongly, um, and you know I think uh, AlphaTauri if they weren't. Um, you know, sort of loom, you know, had Red Bull looming over them. I think they'd be a pretty solid midfield team without yeah. needing to worry about, you know, who who's stepping in or who isn't stepping into to the Red Bull drive. Um, but both their drivers, like you said, have matured quite a lot. Um, yeah. And they've come and on the way. So worse off in the Red Bull. I think, you know, even though Kvyat got taken out of his seat originally for arguably a far less, you know, sort of in terms of performance, there's really not much to worry about in terms of Kvyat's performance. It was just, I think it was mainly his attitude and a couple of incidents that he caused. But he was a solid performer for Red Bull at that point in time. Um, And, you know, at that time off and then now coming back into AlphaTauri has, I think, improved, uh, you know, he's much more likable i think as a, as a driver now um and he's put in the you know fairly solid performances so far um there's a lot you could say we don't know a lot about how albon has really handled uh red bull's car and, and how accommodating they really have been to setting up that vehicle forum outside of you know what we've heard in terms of you know red bull putting all their eggs in the basket with uh with verstappen and doing that so yeah i don't know and i don't know who i'm sure there's a few people that would love to have that red bull seat you know um, perez's name hulkenberg's name has been thrown around for stepping into that red bull seat and i don't know i don't know if they would really have the expected level of success there either because i think red bull at the moment they've they've managed to hold on to be the second fastest team so far but it's um, mainly down only 
to Max and how he's been able to handle that car. But I think there's a few more um, problems that, that Red Bull have that they need to work out between now and the next season and even the new regulation changes in 2022. Because um, otherwise, I think they're going to, particularly with losing Honda as an engine supplier, they're going to be in a similar stuck spaces maybe even ferrari are in where they'll have the occasional good performance with you know like what leclerc has done um but at the same time just a little bit lost because of the personnel and they haven't been able to get that that team culture right so yeah i think there's a lot a lot to see obviously haas they've you know, it's great to see that Schumacher is back in, but I think with their second driver, it's going to be a bit of a, I don't really want to mention them. Um, you know, that's going to be a either a huge amount of headaches for them, um, either in managing that driver or um, dealing with the fallout of things that that driver has done. Mm. Um, and and they, a lot of come other- at, they come out during the week and see that they are dealing with it and, and they yeah. intend to further process it and stuff like that. But, you know, when you see there were um, petitions starting over the, over the you know, within 24 hours of this story breaking, um, you know, they're in for a world of pain, I think, unfortunately, with that now. So yeah, and, and I think um, you know, there's there's a lot of uh, drivers who have just finished the F2 season that are probably more deserving of that, season. Yeah. and probably could you know maybe not bring as much money as as uh, as, as said driver, bring. but um but surely a, a strong lineup of solid F2 performers, including Schumacher, as a name of the driver would would go wonders for bringing in sponsors as well. Mm, exactly, because um, look at all the attention that Schumacher has has got. Mm already um and he hasn't even started his first season in yeah. formula well, he's done a, he's done a quick you know practice session but that's about it so yeah so i think um i don't know it's it's a tough spot they're in because it is it's ruled by money um you know we're handling it internally is it um you know is it them until you follow it up and say this happy. is what we this is what we're going to do then yeah you know, there's not a lot you can really yep. you can really say. Or so. if that behaviour happens, maybe for, Formula One management will have to step in and and take action. So, well, why is this sort of um, uh, petition that was going around was saying was that you know it brings the sport in into disrepute. So that alone is enough to 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 warrant things like that. So, well, yeah. yeah. Anyway, <laughs> we move on. We'll, so, we'll see. And uh, we can talk about what all the the wrap up of the F one season uh, next week um, once we know the the winner. But you know, even though we know the championship winners so far, it's just yeah. the final order. Really, it comes down to who's going to take out sort of more third in the champion in the right. constructors championship at the moment. So, but on to uh, an ex Formula One driver, but um, mm-hmm. now returning back into his original roots in IndyCar is Juan Pablo Montoya. Yeah, He'll actually compete in a third Arrow McLaren SP Chevrolet at next year's Indy 500. So um, Montoya, who used to race for Chip Ganassi in 2000, and then Team Penske in 2015 has spent uh, the last few years in sports car racing for for Penske, um, and so that'll be interesting. He'll partner along against alongside Patricio Ward and Felix Rosenquist, um, but it's good, you know. It's he drove for McLaren in 2005 and 2006. Um, he's been busy with the IMSA sports car stuff, so um, yeah, it's good to see he's going to be back in that, um, and it's a return of lots of veterans. So can I? Mm-hmm. going to be racing for Chip Canassi and Elio Castroneves or for Maya Shank against our um, 
well, we'll say fellow honorary Aussie, but he's actually a Kiwi, um, Scotty McLaughlin at Team Penske. So, um, yeah, should make the uh, Indy 500 very entertaining um, next year. I'm uh, surprised that uh, Montoya hasn't gone for the uh, the Triple Crown and, and done a... Or has he? Has he has he gone for the Triple Crown no. to win? The well, it was... It was um, no, because Penske never went and raced over at Le Mans. Oh, so okay. uh, they were only basically based for IMSA because their car currently wasn't... Um, um, Unable to run at Le Mans, but um, for the future direction of IMSA, they are trying to make it so that they can do that sort of stuff. Yeah, because he uh, he's he's now done two of the three, I believe. Uh, he's done. So I don't know. We'll see. Hmm. Well, the Triple Crown, you actually have to win it. So yeah, that's what. Um, uh, well, that's he's done what... the Indy 500. He's done the Monaco Grand Prix. So he just needs to to win uh, Le Mans. And then yeah. he'll be home and host, and uh, who knows how uh, Alonso would feel about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. But we go from GT racing overseas and um, to talk about GT in Australia, and the yeah. championship now has a new name. Was Motorsport Australia GT Champion Championship, but now it's called GT World Challenge Australia. So we've mixed that kind of that name a little bit, but that's to follow in with the way that. SRI Motorsport Group, um, who are the sort of rule makers behind this, have, have gone. So they've decided that they're right. going to now call it that. So, but the good thing is that they'll the GT World Challenge Australia will be at the Bathurst Six Hour um, at Easter as one mm-hmm. of six support categories. Cool. So that's exciting. Uh, that will be a pretty great, good race to watch because it's going to be live on free to air on the Seven Network um, from April two to four, alongside TCR, Trans Am, Radical, New South Wales Historic Touring Cars, MRF Challenge for the Excels. Um, so yeah, that's uh, that's going to be exciting stuff, as well as you know the actual six hour race itself, which is going to mm. have fifty cars. So um, that's exciting stuff. Um, great start to the, you know, all good. For, for next year, it's going to be great for, for GT racing and for, for those that want to go up to that event. And, you know, if we continue on the same track we are and, and we still, you know, are beating COVID in a lot of these states, it should be, hopefully they'll allow some good spectators um, yeah. to it. But, yeah, that'll be uh, even for, you know, those that don't want to go up and watch it on, can watch it on telly. So it should be, uh, could be quite entertaining. Yeah, and... Um... Obviously, it's it's funny we're sticking on with uh, a pretty um, feels like an Aussie mix with uh, Formula One stuff at the moment um, because even Molly Taylor uh, is joining Nico Rosberg's um, Extreme E. Yeah, this is this is super exciting. Yeah, Yeah. so um, yeah, Molly's come out and said I think she's actually over in Europe because she posted something on social that she was off to test um, the car this week, and she posted some video and stuff. So um, that's pretty cool. Um, Yeah, so there's actually an interesting story if you have a look at Nico Rosberg's. I think it's his either. I'm pretty sure it's his Twitter um, or one of his social channels. He actually tells the story um, with Molly standing next to him about how he got in touch. He reached out to her through her website and. She seriously thought it was a joke yeah. when Nico emailed her uh, to talk about it. So, yeah, so the way that Formula E, or sorry, Extreme E is running is that the 
the series is designed to have a male and a female driver. So it's done over kind of like a super special where one will go first and then they have to swap. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's pretty exciting. It's great for Molly that her talent has been recognised and she's going to go. I mean, she's raced overseas in Europe and stuff prior to coming back to Australia and, and racing for Subaru and the ARC. But the fact that she's going back onto a world scale in something as cool as these, you know, Formula E cars, which um, course, Rosberg's yeah. cars called the Spark Odyssey 21, um, which is which is pretty cool. Um, but they're, they're going to run next year in Saudi Arabia, Senegal, Greenland, Brazil, and Argentina. And I personally can't wait to watch and, and cheer her on from here. If you watch Molly on SAS Australia when it was on recently, she is such a tough competitor. Um, and, yeah, and I'm proud to say that I've, spent time and work with her and she's an amazing athlete and yeah she's uh, a great ambassador for the sport of motorsport and for for females in motorsport so yeah super proud and uh, her mum coral who has co-drove with neil bates for years is an extremely proud mum and has been sharing a lot of stuff uh, about this as well so yeah that's exciting for aussies and and for you know this extreme me sports series because um you know, they've got a really nice lineup of people um, as more and more teams are announcing um, their, their lineup. Yeah, no, that's, that's yeah, really exciting news. And, um, yeah, it's great to see that uh, another Aussie is getting that opportunity and uh, not just any team, but a, a team like that, will, which will hopefully have a great level of exposure as well, um, particularly when it's attached to... To, to Rosberg's name um, and obviously the the inevitable comparisons between uh, Hamilton's and Rosberg's entries <laughs> in the and the rest entries. of the great teams that are involved as well there's yeah. you know there's other great teams that have been involved for motorsport for many years are also going to be involved in it so yeah it's really really going to be really cool to watch yeah okay so local news um this one is pretty i think it's a lot Anybody, any car enthusiast is going to be happy to hear this. Um, but uh, General Motors has confirmed that the Holden Heritage uh, Collection will be going on um, on display uh, in and around Australia um, at a number of different locations, um, primarily in um, in South Australia, but uh, but a number of different. Um, locations will be you know museums and things like that will be sharing uh the vehicles around australia including you know more than 80 of their heritage production vehicles and concepts um as well as 30 different significant power trains so that includes um you know concepts such as the the hurricane um the coupe 60 and the fvj um as well as you know the the holder number one um which was launched in 1948 so yeah i think um this is great news. It's great news that these cars um, that were, I think, were originally destined to head to auction houses and, and to be sold off are uh, being kept public um, and maintained with coordination from um, some government agency help as well to ensure that these vehicles are catalogued and um, and correctly preserved so people can you know continue to learn about Holden and the heritage it had over time. 
Yeah, this is fantastic news. There was talk when Holden was shutting down what would happen to this collection. Um, having seen bits of it over the years at motor shows and things like that, it would be a real crying shame if it was split up and, and moved around. So I was really, really happy to see this release come through with Holden this week that, they, um, that they're actually also planning to have a Holden Heritage Collection website go live next year so you can learn more about the different models because, yeah. you know, there's some stuff that goes back quite a few years that, you know, the younger generation and stuff may not have ever heard of or ever seen. Um, so, yeah, this is really, really important for Holden's history and I'm pretty sure Holden fans will be very excited. But, yeah, it's going to Birdswood. It'll be um, from mid-December. Um, at the National Money Museum in Birdswood in South Australia. So I'll have to keep an eye on when that is because I think that would be even worth a trip over to SA to, to check it out. But, yeah, it's great news for Holden fans. Absolutely. Okay. Um, this one coming hot in from um, the US uh, is the 2021 Hyundai Palisade, um, which we talked about quite enthusiastically a little while ago um, as being sort of that large um, SUV from Hyundai. And, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it, is a, it is coming to Australia. Yeah, um, priced from sixty thousand plus your on road, stepping up to um, you know seventy one thousand um, dollars or seventy five thousand. So anywhere between you know sort of mid sixties to to high eighties really will be your options once you factor in your your on road costs. And um, yeah, seven seater or eight seater, it's a no cost option as well as two trim levels with petrol or di- diesel powertrains and uh, front or all wheel drive. So plenty of choice, but also keeping it quite simple as well. I think um, which is probably a, a pretty clever measured move um, for a car like this because um, we have seen sort of similar um, such as uh, the nah, man the, the Arcadia uh, the name yeah. escaped me for a second the, the, from Holden had a lot of enthusiasm it was a great car but just didn't find its its feet in terms of sales numbers and um, so I think coming with it a number of models um, but not complicating things too much I think is pretty clever it is based on the same platform as the Santa Fe but is 210 millimeters longer and 85 millimeters wider um, so you do get that huge amount of boot space which is over 700 liters um and obviously that ability to fit seven or eight people a bit more comfortably than you would squeezing them into a santa fe um but in terms of power you've got a, a 217 kilowatt 355 newton meter 3.8 liter v6 engine uh which is powering to the front wheels only or a 147 kilowatt 440 newton meter 2.2 liter turbo diesel um which is the all-wheel drive variant um both with eight speed, but the, it's interesting to see that the economy out of the diesel is quite good. It's a 7.3 versus 10.7 litres per hundred um, yeah. compared to the... Um, so even though the all-wheel drive and diesel, um, it's still significantly less than the two-wheel drive petrol uh, at 10.7. But, yeah, the fact that it's available in seven and eight-seat configuration uh, is quite is quite interesting. Um, yeah. Lots of safety spec, um, smart crews, safe exit, lane follow assist, lane keep assist, um, the normal driver attention warning, rear cross traffic collision alert, high beam assist, um, blind spot collision avoidance. Um, yeah, it's really, really quite 
quite interesting with the way it looks good um the photos of it but here and as we've talked about previously um you know you know this is going to be tuned for aussie roads um because yeah. obviously the, the relationship they have um you know, we're going to have things like head-up display, um, blind spot, uh, surround view monitor. Um, so lots of really, really cool, you know, spec on it. Price, uh, I'm intrigued to see where it sits. It is ticking into quite a sort of a higher price point. I mean, you are hitting into the the luxury car tax for the the higher end ones of the um, the of the with the you know the luxury side of it at the top end of the Palisade range. But um, I'm intrigued to see what the reviews are like. But then obviously we'll be interesting to see what the sales are like over the next 12 months. Also what stock's like, you know, how how hard mm. it will be for them to get, what the, the kind of demand is being, something that's new, new to our market um, and coming out of COVID with, you know, people have been buying and i know that the market is you know that the dealerships and they're saying that things are increasing um and that the demand for people sort of financing stuff is is getting in quite in high high demand so that you know there is there is delays and stuff like that it'll be interesting to see what the market does when these when these land here um and you know how they sell um and you know how people take to them as well yeah, absolutely. And, you know, they are offering a, a more standard option as well as the Highlander option, which gives you your Napa leather and things like that. So if you're wanting a bit more of a luxury spec, you can. And um, fear not, there's 16 cup holders found in the cabin. So, yeah, um, two for every passenger figure for the eight-seater option. So It's pretty so, good. Yeah, but looking forward to seeing this. It looks pretty good, um, and I'm sure it's going to have a hell of a presence on the road as well, oh, yeah. given that it's quite, you know, it's so big. I think it'll think it'll do well, and it'll be interesting to see that those, um, you know, do a little bit of work for a Hyundai dealership here in Victoria, and um, I actually saw an i30 sedan this week. So, um, you know, looking at the way that the business, the, the design is of these cars now, um, I'm pretty excited to see this and, and how it does. So hopefully um, when they get their first one, I'll uh, be able to go check it out and, and um, have a bit of an explore. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, if if Hyundai doesn't really float your boat, but you still need what I still want or need a big SUV, um, the X7 from BMW is probably the one to be looking at. And um, yeah, if you're wanting to be a bit more stealthy, the Dark Shadow Edition um, has been confirmed with just 10 examples coming, available in either the X-Drive 30D or the 4.4-litre twin-turbocharged M50i, um, which has a huge amount of power at 390 kilowatts or 750 new metres of torque. Um, and pricing is confirmed at either 188900 or 215900 driveway for the M50. Um, I know it. it's not that big of a it is still a big price jump I should say but um, but when you go from 195 kilowatts in a 3 litre diesel um, to 390 kilowatts I think if you're looking at this price point go for the M50 <laughs> don't even think about it you have money to spare and, you know, there's, no, there's no question and the funny thing is there's only going to be 5 each variant available so yep. 5 in the uh, 
X, uh, XDrive 30D M Sport and five in the M50i, and they actually reservations actually have already opened, and I reckon they're already sold out. Probably because uh, it opened yeah. last week, um, but they're due in the country in March. So yeah, um, and you do and if they're still available. I haven't looked. Um, you need a five thousand dollar deposit, um, and then select your your preferred dealer to finalize the transaction. Um, but basically, the Dark Shadow Edition, uh, you get Frozen Arctic Gray Paintwork 22 two-inch black oil wheels, black exterior trim, blue brake calipers, merino quilted night blue and black leather trim, and um, a few more other things. I think it looks pretty cool. Yeah. Um, if you like that dark, dark stealth look, um, yeah, it's quite interesting to see. Yeah. Uh, to and it see does what hide- it looks like does hide that big nose of the x7 a lot better and i think yeah. it um the darker actually, colors and suits it quite the, well the dark real actually makes it a lot more subtle so yeah yeah it looks good but um if you if, if you're in the market jump on it now because the chances are they won't be around too long if they haven't already sold um but okay so next bit uh going a little bit smaller in the suvs um but back to probably more realistic pricing uh nissan have teased their 2021 cash kai um because you know it is feeling you know it felt a bit bit due for a big tech update um just like how the x trail is feeling uh probably about the same um but it, it it's starting to look pretty good we need we, we don't get a lot mm-hmm. of details but it looks like a full digital dash um larger infotainment screen um, interesting nice layout with the new screen yeah so it looks quite nice so they're saying yeah 12.3 inch diagonal oh sorry a 12.3 inch digital instrument cluster um as well as a nine inch infotainment screen uh running nissan's latest infotainment system um of course wireless apple carplay wired android auto um tom tom satellite nav who i don't know who uses that when you've got your phone these days uh digital radio and um support for amazon alexa and google assistant so that's um i think this is very much needed in a car like this i think it um you know well, the fact goes... that like you said that, that whole new digital dash i think that's massive for this model yeah. um and for where it'll sit in the price point you know you look at the the audis the skodas um in terms of where they are in the market with what they're doing the fact that nissan are going down this route and bring it into this at a price point yeah. i think it's really really exciting for, yeah. for the australian because well, other, other features are like if you go to the top spec cash model you get a turn point eight inch heads up display um which is which they claim to be the largest just in the class, which I think is pretty cool. Um, but as well, you know, other things like LED ambient lighting, which we've pretty much come to expect in, in a lot of these cars now. 10-speaker Bose premium sound system, front and rear USB-A and C port, which I think is is handy, um, as well as a 15-watt wireless smartphone charging pad capable of supporting um, even, you know, the iPhone 12 Pro Max. So that shows that they're putting some thought into this because... Yeah. There's a ton of cars that we've tested that won't fit the larger smartphones for wireless charging. And yeah, they're, they're just making those areas too tight. They're not allowing for the size or, or the shape. Yeah, to, to or change. even if the device fits, it doesn't fit with the case or something like that, which mm. 90% of people have a case on their phone. So I think it's um, it's great to see that they're doing this. Also bringing support for the Nissan Connect smartphone app. Um, so whether, you know, horns and lights, unlock and lock the vehicle um, or locate the car, I think that's pretty important sometimes if you're in somewhere where you're not sure or not familiar. That's uh, it's nice to know. 
Um, so yeah, I think this is really positive. Um, what are they? What are they saying? Uh, second half of next year, twenty twenty one, is when we expect. Well, the, other the other interesting thing is for us in the southern states is that there'll be a new steering wheel heater option. Yeah. <laughs> You can enjoy that. We don't really need it up here. No, no, you guys don't need it up there. But uh, in the southern states, uh, definitely, I think it'll be uh, very much well appreciated. Yeah. Okay. Uh, one thing which this and don't talk about is whether they're doing an all-electric version, but, um, but Mazda is certainly probably either enforcing that Nissan should reconsider that um, a little bit because they're launching their own um, electric and mild hybrid version of the MX-30. So it's an all-electric car um, or a mild hybrid option. It's coming in 2021. It's their first ever mass-produced electric car. Um, we did see it at the 2019 Tokyo Motor Show in concept form and um, production form has been around since early this year. Um, but yeah, so first half of 2021 for the mild hybrid um, following mid 2021 for uh, the full electric local pricing has yet to be confirmed but the hybrid um, we do have some more specs info so the hybrid is a two liter four cylinder petrol engine um, with a the hybrid system combining to give 114 kilowatts and 200 newton meters of torque through a six-speed automatic transmission and its front-wheel drive. And um, that fuel consumption figure should be about 6.4 litres, which is good, but I don't know. I'd probably expect, expect a little less. bit better. Yeah, I would expect um, for from. I mean, it is... It is, a mild, mild hybrid, it is a mild hybrid as opposed to hybrid. So I suppose if they were calling it hybrid and we didn't have the mild in there, then maybe we're yeah. expecting more sort of fours and fives, yeah. maybe closer to fours. But, yeah. yeah, so, I mean, 6.4 is not bad. Um, but, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. Um, it can also recover energy from vehicle deceleration um, yeah. and improved efficiency, efficiency and braking ability. Um so, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. Um, pricing, I think, will be very, very interested to see. Um, yeah, pricing will be important because also the full electric model will have a range up to 200 kilometres, um, which is a bit short. Like, that's less than what the Nissan Leaf, yeah, that's what pretty... I was getting out of the Nissan Leaf. And with um, other things that, that are felt... on the market now, it kind of needs to be more, a lot more yeah. than that. So it either has to be priced super aggressively, like the, the MG yeah. is, um, because at you know that mid-60s, you can get into the Hyundai Kona, which is very well-specced, and you're getting about 450 to 500K yeah. so look of at that. range. And it's a similar size. I think yeah. the, the MX-30 well, Car advice is saying that, you know, it's key competitor is the Hyundai Kona. So it, I feel like it's going to have to undercut it by 20,000. Otherwise, that range anxiety is real. Um, even driving the Nissan Leaf when, when planning trips, I had to constantly work out and ensure that I had a charging point sort of on my route every couple of days or every day mm. because you have to know are you going to be able to get there and then if I it's not working or if it's not available yeah. <laughs> i got to get home and what's your alternative if i have to travel 20k to get there or to drive home that's 10 percent of my range at 200ks mm. so i've automatically lost 10 percent of what my charge is um before i even come home and get ready to you know yeah. go on the next thing which is crucial if you don't have a charging point available mm. for you um 
so yeah, but I, so it's all about pricing because it looks good. Um, I like the look of it uh, from what they've released in photos. It does um, sort of, uh, I love like these, what they call freestyle doors. So it's almost like a, what you'll find from um, an extended cab ute so front doors open normally but the rears open up like a suicide door um, i'm intrigued to see how that goes with the market and how well they accept it um or whether people go well it's effectively a two-door it's too small i want i want something bigger i want a four-door i think it will work well for an urban vehicle um which i think is what they're really aiming for here and having the doors like that just makes it easier for passengers to get in and out yeah it gives them a flexibility but like yeah, you said, in talking... reality how will that how will that go i think it it makes the the shape look quite nice um mm. better than say what you know i haven't really been a huge fan of um of uh the design from the side profile of like the q2 from audi um i think this approach of having those doors like that sort of solves that problem a little bit um but yeah, I'll be curious to see what the pricing is. I think that's going to be crucial to to a success. Um, that or you know, it just needs a bit more bit more range. Um, but yeah, <laughs> we'll we'll see. We'll we'll we'll, we'll wait and for that. Um, but if you're wanting something a bit more uh, a bit more thrilling, maybe the Kia Stinger, not electric. Um, or hybrid, uh, to say the least. But the Kistinger has been updated with its styling tweaks, more kit, and a slight price jump. Um, so the entry-level Stinger goes up by about $2,000, while the um, top model, the 330S, is now $2,900 more expensive. Um, but looking at it, I think it's a, a fairly mild update from what all I can see. Um yeah, I think it's uh, it's got a, it's had a change in design. Trying to find exactly what's changed apart from just slightly larger screens and and that kind of thing. So yeah, it's got a new design. New, um, it's had a sort of sharper change front and rear. Um, new uh, variable exhaust valve um, for the three point three liter, uh, and then obviously the updated screen and enhanced safety features. So now includes blind spot monitoring um, and AEB junction assist um, as well. So yeah, it's it's had a bit of a, a bit of a change. But uh, I just had a friend that bought one of these. Um, I think he bought the yeah. previous gen in this color. And that color is spectacular in person. It's such a mm-hmm. good-looking thing. Um, Kia have done well with their bright colors. You know, the this orange, the yellow, and then obviously that red as well. Um, so yeah, it's uh, it's exciting to see. Um, you know, people have said that you know whether it would continue, and yeah, it's now uh, it's good. One other cool thing it's got it's now got cyclist detection with the AEB as well. So which is yeah. um, which is quite good. So. Um, and the junction assist uses the front camera and radar to apply the brakes if danger is detected while turning across oncoming traffic. That's smart tech. Yeah, I think it's uh, one of those things, particularly as we have more and more cyclists on the road now, um, just having those pieces of tech coming in. Um, yeah, that's essential. Makes a difference, absolutely. Okay, Porsche. Uh, I think it's safe to say that if you're a car enthusiast, you're most likely a, a Porsche fan. <laughs> um, and uh, next year, 2021, Porsche Australia celebrates the 70th anniversary in Australia. Um, doing that, they'll be doing a number of different um, 
events and celebrations around Oz, but they're also bringing a special edition limited to only in Australia, um, intended to commemorate, you know, the 70th anniversary of the brand here in Oz. So it's going to be finished in fish silver grey, um, which harkens back to one of the first Porsche models imported in 1951, uh, which was a 356 Cabriolet. And, um, yeah, I think uh, that's really all the info that they've given us. Yeah, they haven't given us anything else. The model um, to be announced the first half of 2021. So Yeah, um, so we don't even know if it's a 911 or if it's uh, or what it's going to be. Mm. And um, You have I, to think it'll be a 911, but as in to which spec uh, it will be, yeah. it, it's sort of un- unsaid. So. Yeah, um, we'll... Uh, Unless they fish out a, a Taycan or even a you know a rebodied three five six or something, I don't know. Who knows? They got playing. Um, but yeah, you're probably you're probably right. It's probably going to be a nine eleven Cabriolet, maybe if it's a three five six. Yeah, maybe. Um, who knows? Well, uh, but stay tuned for that one. I think that's going to be a bit of fun anyway for Porsche owners and fans of the brand. Anyway, um, but yeah, but what's this about Lexus and their? next-gen electric. What yeah, are, so are this was something that was interesting that came across the, the email this week is it's a new electric drive control system called Direct 4, um, which is being designed. And the pictures that are associated, there's an SUV and also a sedan, which looks especially, there's a, so they've got their Lexus um, BEV and HEV prototypes. And the prototype actually of the, one of them actually looks very sort of GSF. So mm. I'm very intrigued by that because, you know, the GSF is a model that is sort of finishing. So um, the system uses a front and rear axle, um, each featuring a high torque electric motor and transaxle focusing on optimum drive force distribution. Um, you know, so it, it, yeah, it's interesting. I mean, the Lexus have done a lot of hybrid stuff and have for years, but the fact that they're going down this um, electric drive system, um, and yeah, it's uh, it's very very interesting. Uh, I'm looking forward to finding out more more about this and as into what um, you know what they're going to do. Their first all electric model, the UX300E, arrives at the end of next year. Um, so you know what that then spurns from there, um, and what is created as a result is you know going to be very interesting to follow. So yeah. yeah. You know, we, we're sort of fans of hybrids and what they're doing. So the more we sort of find it, find out about them and what they're doing, it's uh, it's interesting to mm. to see. So I'm very keen to find out some more. Yeah, and given the uh, the number of like, whenever I see a Lexus on the road, the majority of them I see are hybrids, and I'm kind of surprised that they haven't even just gone exclusively hybrid and electric. Um, given the proportion of hybrid models they sell is significantly higher um, than most other brands with their, you know, the mix of offerings and things like that. Um, but this is obviously that next big step forwards and, and it's important for Toyota as the parent company as well to, to be pushing this technology because uh. it all flows through and it all provides in, in important learnings for them um, moving forwards. And hopefully it's all about we get better battery range and 
Well, you know, they're so strong in that range now. There's so much stuff that, that they have out there in terms of what, you know, the models. Like there's almost almost every model now in the range is some form or another of, um, you know, there's a hybrid version of almost everything on the market mm. that they make now. Um, and, you know, it, it's really, really interesting just to see what they're doing and the fact that they're going to, they're expanding it, particularly particularly in Toyota, um, you know, and the fact that we're going to have a hybrid Kluger next year as well, um, you know, is another interesting thing to see. So that technology across the board um, and, you know, the other rumour is that the, the, um, the next gen 300 series Land Cruiser, there's talk that that will probably have a hybrid in it as well. Um you know, yeah, it, I'm really it, excited by that. I think um, from what I've read, the the pr- prospect of the Sahara model even being a V6 hybrid um, will change the game completely for yeah. um, particularly long-distance driving because you get that benefit of that hybrid system and a significantly yeah. lower um, fuel economy figure, but also that booster torque from the electric motors. So I'm Correct. excited. for uh, off-road and what it opens to. And, you know, yeah. we've also got, um, you know, the Corolla Cross is coming as well yes. you know there'll obviously be a hybrid version of that so that tech that we're talking about that we're seeing on alexa side will some of that then move across back to toyota and could some of it being going to be used like you said in the new 300 series and and everything else so yeah it's it's exciting times for for both for both those brands with the the tech they're talking about and and the more of this sort of hybrid but then also this full electri- electrification as well yeah yeah, absolutely. Okay, so this is an interesting one that sort of came over late. Um, is uh, so every week, as if you're a frequent listener, you'll probably know that we browse, um, bring a trailer for some interesting auctions, and to sort of talk about the, the the wonderful cars that, particularly in America, they get, and um, we would lust over if we had them over here. But um, mechanista.com.au is aiming to be a, a new online site for for Aussies wanting to sell their cars and to obviously buy their cars as well, um, being it being uh, a 24-7 online auction site for motor cars. Um, it looks interesting. It's only new so i think it will take some time for it to to build a bit of momentum um but it but it certainly seems like a an interesting idea and sort of follows along what what shannon's and a few others have done by even how you know there's there's no fees for uh for those wanting to sell the car but you know there is a buyer's premium for those buying the vehicle yeah, it's an interesting platform. Um, it, the way that they, they, they've done it and the way that they're creating it, um, there's, you know, there's sort of five cars are listed on there at the moment, everything from a, an Audi R8 to a Ford Cortina. So um, quite an interesting cross-section. But w- the way that they're doing it is that a lot of it is done through they're kind of like the middleman. They're running the auction. You as, a, um, as an owner can list your car and then obviously provide photos to them and then they'll, they'll stick it online. But they've actually got... Um, the way the, the this set up is that one of their editors um, is a, is a very good you know got a bunch of journalists involved to to help write the pieces about the car mm-hmm. um, and to help you know give you the right the right. Um, information to to the buyers to understand why your car might be unique, um, and so yeah, it, it's it seems like an interesting platform. They've got some good partners um, as well with different a range of businesses from um, transport companies to finance companies to car detailers to detailing 
companies and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, it's an interesting platform. Um, will be interesting to see, you know, how it goes, um, and you know what they what they do, um, and yeah, and, and also probably have a look what's being listed as well because you know there might be some interesting stuff on there each week. You know, the the some of the the stuff that's being sold at the moment, you know, through for example like the likes of Duttons and Lawbex and stuff like that every week is interesting. So some of some interesting cars that that we do have in Australia might pop up on here. So mm. it's certainly going to be worth one of those things just to, to have a look and, and keep an eye on yeah i think um hopefully we see some interesting cars on there uh, obviously shannon's uh, tend to attract uh those key vehicles that come through but um it's always nice to to have somebody giving it a crack and in, in offering an alternative to to spur a little bit a little bit of competition yeah as well um there's there's tons of examples of different ones popping up over in the uk we you know obviously if you follow a number of podcasts there's collecting cars um as a as somewhere for uh the brits to to sell and buy cars you've got tons of um of other options in the us so yeah it's nice to have an extra option um and uh yeah we'll we'll see what 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 it turns into but let's um let's move on to our quick rundown uh so if you're an f type fan um jaguar have built a uh, heritage sort of homage to the E-Type, 60 years following from that um, in what they call the F-Type Heritage 60 edition, um, embodying 60 years of sensational E-Type. Um, there's going to be 60 cars worldwide and, um, yeah, each one crafted in painstaking detail by the SV Bespoke team at our Special Vehicle Operations Technical Centre in the UK. Um, so it's going to be finished in solid Sherwood green, um, a color not offered on any Jags since the 1960s, complemented with a classic Caraway and Ebony Windsor leather interior. Beautiful looking car. Um, I Stunning color. Pricing info, but um, I think it is a. If you have to got, ask, you can't afford it. Yeah, but I think it's um, if it if it is something of interest, if you are a bit of a Jag collector, jump on it. Um, get in touch with Jaguar Australia or your local dealer and um, try and hunt one down. Um, stunning looking car, beautiful. Um, yeah, that's that. Um, GV70, we, I feel like we've seen tons of info about this, but anyway, we'll talk about it because it looks good. Um, so it's, GV70 from Genesis is a, a competitor to the X3, um, headlined by a 280 kilowatt twin turbo V6. Um, but yes, yeah, so you'll have, um, the engines are basically the same as the larger G80 um, sedan, which is a three and a half liter twin turbo V6, a 2.5 litre turbocharged four cylinder, as well as a, a smaller twin turbo diesel as well. Um, yeah, I think uh, from the photos, it looks good. Um, it certainly suits the smaller proportions quite well. It looks quite sporty. Um, but yeah, we'll wait to see some of the more pricing information. Um, but we do expect uh, it to sort of smash everything in terms of <laughs> doing a good job um, based off these photos and what I've even experienced in in the new Genesis products from the GV80. Kind of looks like the whole um, K inverse McCann kind of 
you know, it does. in terms of size yeah. and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, it's due here first half next year. Um, and then our lineup and specs, they'll announce closer to launch. So I'm intrigued to see the... And at least with this... The petrol is only available. The petrol 3.5 is only available as an all-wheel, but the petrol, the smaller petrol and the diesel are both available as two-wheel and all-wheel drive. So that's quite good. So there's lots of choice. Um, so I'm intrigued to see where it sits price-wise. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Audi's e-tron GT enters production. So um, if you're a fan of the e-tron GT vehicle that's been floating around, um, you'll be quite happy that they're entering production now. And um, what felt like a you know a far off concept is uh, going to be a vehicle that you can own in the not or basically if you go in and put your order in, I'm sure they'll take your money and uh, it will arrive when it arrives. Um, but yeah, very impressive. I think it's, you know, Audi, part of the Volkswagen sort of shift is, um, you know, heading full force into to the all-electric uh, cars like this. And um, arguably, you know, looks much better than our Model S from Tesla. Yeah, um, and I'm excited to see these things as they um, as they start appearing uh, on our roads. And, and yeah, they're a good-looking thing, you know. Not only this, um, but the the standard e-tron as well, the the SUV style one. Yeah. Um, I thought it's been a cool-looking thing ever since we saw them in um, in the Marvel series. So yeah, the mm-hmm. fact that we're now starting to see production and that they're going to be rolling onto our roads is uh, is pretty cool. Yeah. Okay, and. Uh... You can enter if uh, if you're wanting to to jump onto the BMW iX. BMW is all electric SUV, um, which is entering production from the second half of next year. So it's still quite a way off, um, but you can jump onto the online BMW shop and to place a $500 deposit if you want to reserve your model. Um, and once specs and trim levels open up in the middle of 2021, you'll be able to choose your preferred dealer and spec. Um, do you think there's jumping? I know that we're just sort of jumping through these, but do you think that's a little bit too early to, to be capturing deposits? For no, 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 I think if, I think it's a smart move. Basically, you're kind of testing the waters. You, you yeah. kind of want to know, you know, not only for BMW Australia, but obviously for back in Germany, the interest in the model where they see it, you know, the, it, the yeah. car itself is still going, uh, undergoing testing. And there was a separate email that, uh, release that came through from BMW this week that they're testing in, um, I think was it Lapland uh, mm. in, Scan- in Scandinavia. So they're, um, they're still sort of testing it and, you know, ironing out everything with it. But, yeah, I think it's not a bad idea for BMW to, to open the order books be, because you're going to then see what kind of interest there is in it um, ahead of time. And, yeah, I think because of the fact that it is their first sort of electric SUV here, obviously we've had i3 and i8, um, yeah. I think for, you know, BMW dealers and, and stuff like that, I think it, it it's – you know, it's it's a way to gauge the interest and to see whether people are ready to to, to go down that that route. Um, it is early in the scheme of things, but um, you know, it's it's a way to test and, and see whether people uh, to start that conversation. But generally, with most of this stuff, if you know you're only putting five hundred dollars down, you know, if you want to change your order at a later date, they you know they generally allow you to do that because it's it's an expression of interest. So yeah, um, and most of this stuff won't be built 
bit that your orders are placing until closer to, to time. So you don't have to spec it and stuff like that. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'll be interested to see uh, if we get some follow-up from BMW as to, you know, how many orders they've had placed and stuff like that. Yeah, I think that, that, that given how fast uh, some companies are, love to report that. We'll see it. We'll see how much of how enthusiastic they are to share that. Yeah, um, exactly. Either way, um, but I think it's a it's a good. It looks like a great model. It looks good. Um, I think the the design language that BMW is going for certainly suits the iX a lot more than oh yes, yeah. few of the other models they've got. <laughs> So yeah, I think it's a it's a, it's a good strong model, and um, I'd be curious to see what the spec and uh, pricing will be as well um, for it. Moving on, twenty twenty one Volkswagen Touareg, the top end flagship of the V eight, is um, is now being priced. So that will be from one hundred thirty six thousand. Um, not cheap, um, but also obviously it's a lot of car for the money. It is. It is. So that um, it it is a big step up from the current range that is available as well. Um, Considering the range starts at eighty one, it goes yeah. through to one hundred and thirty six. Yeah. But yeah. you do get the same engine as the Bentley Bentayga as well. Mm. So are you, are you arguing that this is a bargain more than a? <laughs> Definitely, it's an expensive. It's it is an expensive Volkswagen, um, but for what it is and what it offers, I remember when they used to do that R fifty Touareg a couple of years yeah, ago or yeah. a few years ago now. But you know, um, the fact that they had this just awesome um, engine thing, and you know, Volkswagen's never afraid to put a, a decent engine in one of these, but they just look so good. Um, yeah. you know, with and you're talking like you know, it's got tons of, of features like air suspension, massaging front seats, dynamic indicators, headlight washers. Um, actually, I was just reading a list, headlight washers isn't really that exciting. Um, 15 inch infotainment screen, my 2013 Passat has headlight washers, yeah, I know. <laughs> it's, it's been in, but it does while. have you know, 20 night vision, 21 inch alloy yeah. wheels for the, the top of the range, the V8 TDIR R line, um, sound and color comfort you know tire pressure monitoring and stuff like that so you know there's and that's above what everything else that's on yeah the, oh, the models below it. Um, volkswagen's travel assist as well so yeah but they well they say partially automated driving across oh. practically the whole speed range so yeah i think um it's a uh, very well equipped and um it's great to see that you know that they are packing all this stuff into these vehicles, and that the um, the options list isn't too long. Um, with basically the um, a panoramic glass sunroof for three thousand um, dollars, metallic pill paint, of course, for twenty one hundred dollars, and um, the entry level um, one seventy TDI can add the innovation pack for eight thousand um, dollars, as well as you know a sound and comfort package. So it it's they've kept the options you know fairly straightforward and and um you know yeah but not not many options for the for the v8 um thankfully so we go from talking about you know what sort of more the 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 top end of the range of a new model and then we go to talk about two brands that are celebrating just how many models they've sold um over the period so suzu um have said they've sold over 50,000 of their MUX um, into driveways around uh, around Australia um, since it, it came into the market around 2013. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's that's a popular one. The new one is coming um, soon, so that's...
that's going to be even more exciting for them because it is a, a step up again. Um, Big step and, up. Yeah, and MUX hasn't always been battled, battled well against everything else in the market, but I think mm. the new one is going to really turn that segment on its head. But So they've done 50,000 since 2013. I think moving forward, it'll be interesting to see you know, how long they turn they to do their next batch. Yeah, uh, I think um, yeah, it's leading into some very good things. And obviously, Subaru with the ten thousand for the WRX STI um, in Australia just sort of shows that you know these are special cars, and they do you know they very much have a have an audience that might not be you know particularly in Subaru's point, um, uh, uh, you know a huge huge seller but in terms of you know ten thousand that's a lot of miles oh, for, for the sti for and across, specific yeah, yeah exactly. and across across the broad of the variety of models that they had over that time as well yeah. because there was quite a few um versions of that over over time and you know the the third gen um launched in in 2008 well the first ones came in 99 um yeah. and there were 400 of those in in two doors um and then they had um another second gen in 99 and then the third gen in um in 2008 so it's been a it's been a popular car and being a previous wrx owner it, it, it's exciting to see how much this is done and and even now like the current gen sti is still one of the best looking um models they've had you know when they went to the hatch version i think they lost a few fans but then they certainly came right back when they went back to the sedan version again and it you know it had its aggressiveness and the current generation is such a good looking car um and you know them, and as a result, you know the, they went rallying for years, and they won the Australian Rally Championship. You know, just year after year after year. So, yeah, for, you know they won it in 96, 97, 98, 99, 2000, 2001, 2002, 2003, 2004 to 2005, and then they had a big break, and then Molly came back and won it in 2016. So you know to celebrate that 10,000th. STI being sold, which got sold to a, a gentleman in New South Wales who purchased it from Trevette and Parramatta. He uh, received a surprise package comprising five thousands of parts and accessories, five-year service plan, and a ride with Molly Taylor in her uh, her rally car. So um, you know, it's uh, it's pretty pretty cool, and it's good to see Subaru celebrating that that milestone for them as a brand. Of course, yeah. <laughs> well. Um... This one we've spoken about it. We've spoken about it a lot, and um, it really goes without saying. And probably anybody listening doesn't really need to to listen to this. But um, yeah, check your airbag uh, for the recall if it's still part of it. Um, do it if it uh, if it does need um, to be replaced. Um, yeah, basically, FCAI are still campaigning to ensure, as car manufacturers race to to get these things resolved by the end of the year. Um, but yeah, it's just alarming how many people still, you know, yeah. haven't not checking this stuff. Done. Yeah, just uh, can't believe it. But anyway, check your is you can go to the website is my airbag safe. Um, just Google that, and uh, you'll be able to look up everything that you need. 
Um, but okay, but ANCAP, um, it's been a few weeks since we've had any new entrants, but this week we've had two, um, both receiving five out of five stars, um, according, you know, tested against the 2020 standards. First one being the the Kia Sorento, the their SUV, um, which has been a, a great looker and I've seen more and more on the road. And oh, so that's such a good looking car. Yeah. Um, I've seen a few on the road recently, and you can just—they just stand out now. This new design is such a standout design; yep. you can just see it from a while ago. Wow, that's a new Sorento. It, it, it just looks so good. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, I've, I've had a few friends when driving along go, "Oh, that's that's the new Kia," and I'm like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah." Um, that's I think the particularly the rear of the car. I think it looks great. Yeah. Um, that really—it's very much American design from it. Absolutely. Yeah, um, but the other vehicle that received the five stars is um, the Land Rover Defender. So, um, sort of bucking the trend against the popular four by fours um, with uh, with big heritage. I'm sort of talking about the the Jimny and uh, and the Jeep Wrangler and that kind of thing, um, where they've been criticised for their um, their safety crash ratings um but it seems like land rover and and this is the advantage of sort of going with a more modern style compared to the older one um have been able to essentially nail the the ncap safety test with with and receiving the five stars um so that's good news um for for buyers of both of those vehicles very interesting just having a look at the reports and you go and you can see obviously on the ancap site um the crash test pictures and stuff like that just really interesting just to see how strong that defender is to you know with the with the different impacts and stuff like that and just how well you know the sort of safety cell and stuff is working in these things now and um yeah very very impressive that what they've been doing with these cars yeah absolutely so well that's 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 positive bid and um let's let's take a little bit of a break from our um from our news and uh have a look at the bring a trailer so how do we how do we go last week so yeah results from last week um there's a couple that are still pending and we'll bring them when they happen but uh my audi 200 uh went for 9.2 which is an absolute bargain the vegan went for 10,000 which was the sub 93 vegan mm-hmm. um there was another audi coupe that went for about uh 18 grand which was interesting and then the amc amx went for uh, 22 um but there's a few the the Countach from last week is still pending so um yeah interesting what did you find this week ash uh i um i had trouble this week there, there was a few things that i was really excited for but surprisingly i don't know if it's because we've been doing this for a little while now and i've seen almost everything you know type of car that we've come across and i'm wanting to keep things interesting as well um but i but i did stumble across um a mini cooper s from 2006 um but it's a race car and looks like a properly set up race car as well its current bid is ten thousand just over ten thousand dollars it ends in two days and um yeah it's built by rsr motorsports um and uh yeah it's basically it's campaigned in the grand am coney sports car challenge and the continental tire sports car challenge series between 2007 and 2012 um yeah good little good good little fun buy i think yeah, I think that would be uh, if if you're learning, you know, wanting to, uh, you know, orientate yourself with um, 
with racing and, and doing it in the car that you probably have a bit of confidence in and um, knowing the dimensions of it, this is probably a great way to start, but also gives you plenty of um, plenty of room to to advance your um, your skills as well and to grow into the car mm. as well. Good looking thing, so it's all ready ready to go. Yeah, uh, it looks really well set up and um yeah it looks like uh, i could be totally wrong but it could be <laughs> it, might, it might be a total handful handful and horrible for someone new but um but i think it yeah it, it, these cars tend to to work pretty well as a yeah. as a as a beginner's car to a you know before you start heading up into much larger vehicles and much much faster vehicles as well but yeah, so 1.6 liter, supercharged, uh, four cylinder, and um, the yeah, best totally setup engine for those things. So yeah, so yeah, no, it um, looks great. But but how do you go? What would you? So I found a, I used a couple honorary mentions this week. There's a '99 Cadillac Deville, which is uh, oh, very yes. very nice, um, and finished in medium slate. That's got six days left at 3100 so that was interesting um, a Ford Ranchero 1972 Ford Ranchero which was their Ford Ute that they made over there um, well they probably call it a pickup um, but yeah this is quite nice um, 8700 with two days to go and then I'm kind of a bit torn as to where I go for my other honourable mentions I think my honourable mention other one is a 997 Ferrari F355 think uh, the yellow Ferrari that uh, Nicholas Cage destroys in Conair, but in red. Um, <laughs> this thing is very nice, finished in Rosso Corsa. Um, it's at 50 grand with two days to go. It is a spider. Um, it does look immaculate in that colour. Um, and, yeah, it is, uh, it's had four previous owners, um, but there's just something about this um, 355 that uh, I love. Um, it's got the open gate gearbox, um, and, yeah, it's just a, just a stunning car. But my pick this week is a 2008 Mercedes-Benz CLK 63 AMG Black Series. Um, but this thing, unlike a lot of them, which were in that sort of dark color or a silver or something, this thing's white. Um, and this looks really, really good in white. Um, yeah. The Black Series, I think, kind of it really shows off the, the aggressiveness of this thing. And having driven one of these very, very briefly, um, I love these cars and, and just think that they're just one of the, the sexiest things that Mercedes ever created um, and just pure horsepower. You know, the, the 500 horsepower 6.2 litre V8 um, is just a, an absolutely brilliant car and just absolutely just just so cool and the fact that this thing's white and it's different um yeah i just love it um so currently at eighty five thousand with two days left to go so uh i reckon it'll probably get to 100 grand but uh yeah, these things sell for pretty penny down under so yeah so it'll be interesting to see it hasn't had a bid hasn't had a bid for a few days, so uh, it it might struggle. Um, I don't know whether it has. No, there's no mention whether or not there's a reserve on it at the moment. Um, oh, so there yeah. was a bid just bid last uh, today, actually. Yeah, but prior uh, to yeah. that, there hadn't been one for a few days, so. Um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see uh, how how it goes, but um, yeah, that was my pick this week. Yeah, I think that's a solid choice. Um, no, there's the extremely special cars. I'm not a huge fan of the steering wheel they have. 
Um, yeah, it was kind of that sort of that era. Mercedes kind yeah. of wheel of that era. Yeah, but from the outside, it's a super spectacular looking car, and yeah, you're right about it being white. It's a uh, it certainly understates it, um, makes it easy easy to miss. Yeah, exactly. You kind of you, it's it sort of blends in because it's that white car, and yeah. um, you don't always see the real aggressive ones in that in that white combination. So. Oh. Well, okay. Well, we'll see how they go. And um, if you're listening and uh, you come across any interesting ones there or anywhere else for that fact, uh, let us know. Shows at dailyautofix.com. And um, you can also ask us any uh, car related questions, or, you know, I'm sure Joel will share some recipe secrets if you ask him nicely um, as well. But let's um, jump across to a couple of the international pieces of news uh, simply included only because I think they're two things that we get excited about. Um, the first one has been the 2021 Ford F-150 Tremor, um, which brings 33-inch tyres, the Raptors transfer case, and a 400-horsepower 3.5-litre EcoBoost V6. Um, it's got upgraded suspension, rear-locking diff and um i think uh this is a pretty solid model like it doesn't go nuts like a a raptor model you know with the bits and bobs attached off it but it's a a solid off-roader um but fairly uh subtle with all the the body panels yeah so tremor tremor is one of the spec levels that ford do in the us they just did a a ranger tremor um and this one actually features trial control trial one pedal drive and trail turn assist so it's 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 taken kind of those that want to take things off road but they still want to be able to have a normal truck they don't want to go to the aggressiveness of having a raptor um you know which is designed more for sort of recreation um you know driving on trails going mountain biking that sort of stuff you know being able to get off road and stuff like that so um yeah it's it's looking um you know you've got things like hill descent control as well so all that kind of tech that you want but in a truck that you can still take to you know Home Depot or whatever you need to do with yeah. it, um, but then it's you know it's got bash plates and and things like that, so that you can take it off road if you, if you want to do that. So yeah, it's um it's a good looking thing. It looks like it's got Raptorish wheels on it as well. They look like Raptor rims on it. Yeah. Um, but nice sort of orange highlight through the grill, which kind of breaks it up and meets up with where the the indicator line is and things like that. So yeah, um, nice yeah. nice clever design. Yeah, with it, it's not over the top, but still no. kind of suits its needs. Yeah, and they're going to um, – it seems like they expect that pricing to be about $4,000, which I think is pretty fair for a package like that. Uh-huh. And um, when reading the the comments on the uh, Car and Driver article, it seems that a lot of people kind of like it, um, you know, such as, you know, they go, when the FX4 package is too pedestrian and a Raptor is too much coin, in steps the Tremor. And I yeah. think that's pretty, pretty much accurate. It's very true um, because obviously they know from conversation with dealers that there's a hole in that market that needs a fill and Ford like to, you know, th- their F-150 is one of their biggest sellers. Um, so it, may, it makes sense to um, to go down that route and to basically, um, you know, build something that there is a demand for in the market. Yeah. 
Nah, so I think that um, you know that's, that's pretty great, and a few other people were sort of saying exactly what we've talked about with uh, with uh, the locally spec models here that we get, you know, across the Ranger and the Toyotas, such as the Rugged X and that kind of thing. Where um, you know it's good that these car companies are throwing on what people do as essential upgrades anyway when they're wanting to, to do more than just um, you know drive on the road or drive on a dirt road. Um, so I think it's a, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a good step, and um, you know, it's great that even the ones that do it here support like the local industry as well by doing it. But um, but yeah, I, I wish we got more of those down here, and um, yeah, you know, they built a left hand drive, uh, sorry, a right hand drive version. Um, but you know, we'll keep we'll we'll keep sending our weekly letter asking. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, okay, so. Out of all of those pre-orders that have been sent in for the GMC Hummer EV, um, you know, can can get excited again because uh, the prototypes are, have now started their winter testing, and um, they've sort of shown some shown off some videos themselves of the production um, to build these uh, production of these prototype vehicles as well as sharing a little bit what goes into the winter testing um so i think this is a cool insight and um given that they've shown off a lot of the vehicle now and they've already got tons of um you know a significant number of pre-orders for it i think it's a great way to share the development process because of what they're building is so unique as well from a you know from an electric pickup truck point of view um nobody else is really doing anything like this to a certain level um so yeah i think it's it's great to see this um normally everything of this is kept really super secret squirrel and yeah they've um kind of done the opposite with this so far yeah, it's interesting to watch just, you know, different parts of the segment, the way that they've been testing, the kind of stuff that you would generally expect from the test system yeah. at their test track and stuff like that. But it's, there's some interesting footage. You can see the battery tray being put in and then how it's installed in. It's literally sort of the, the car is lowered onto the chassis, like the typical body on frame setup and, and just different part aspects of the construction and and. and you know how it all, all assembles um, before it sort of you know goes off road and and yeah. on their test track. So yeah, it's an exciting thing at the moment. There's a lot of people excited by this, and yeah, it's good to see that um, you know GMC are giving a us a, a preview of it as well. Mm, absolutely, and uh, yeah, it's just a shame that we won't see you know even the idea of going to the US to see one um, won't be a. Uh, possibility for what feels like a long time now anyway um but thankfully uh they're expected to to go into full production in 2022 so we've got some time um until we can uh fully uh you know feel like we're missing out (laughs) outside of this development journey yeah exactly but um but this one i think you're pretty uh pretty excited about joel is the finally the full jim carner uh video has been uploaded to to youtube yeah i was excited by this i talked about it a lot last week we saw the trailer yeah. and the preview and i was busy during the week i was um i had an early start running around doing and we had a long a long shoot on uh on tuesday and didn't finish till till late but i think i i don't even remember when i got a chance to watch it um 
and uh, I was blown away um, just what they've created with this the, with the new Gymkhana. Yeah. So obviously Ken has handballed it to Travis Pastrana, as we talked about, and he's running this custom-built Subaru uh, WRX STI that they've built, um, putting out just massive amounts of horsepower. And so they decided to do it um, in Annapolis, which is uh, Travis's hometown. So yeah. it starts off with the car being escorted by the police. He then jumps over the harbour over a massive offshore powerboat. Um, and as I said in the trailer the other day, that I've never seen Travis look so scared in my life. And all the way, it's the reoccurring thing all the way through this video, he looks terrified the whole time. <laughs> or it's just his look of concentration. Like he is working so hard in the car. And yeah. you did see it a few times in, in the last couple of Ken's videos that he was working so hard to really drive the car and, and handle it. And, and, you know, because a lot of it is quite tight and twisty and some of the stuff. Yeah. And so, yeah, there's some interesting camo cameos. Um, obviously, the new BRZ is in there where it's dropping um, circular um, donuts alongside this race car. So we get an actual look of it um, in action uh, with this. So that's great that Subaru got involved to obviously give them a BRZ for this. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, it's pretty spectacular um, for the footage. It then moves on to more donuts around moving things. But it's got to be one of the closest calls we have ever seen um, with him dropping a wheel um, off uh, a certain thing to be very close to, to losing control. So that's yeah. a pretty amazing bit of footage to keep an eye out for. Um, he then goes up against um, uh, one of the Red Bull um uh, aerobatic planes, um, which is quite interesting to watch. That's some more amazing, spectacular um, footage. He then goes out into a country road where he's absolutely clocking up max speed. This thing is absolutely pegged at the maximum, doing over 150 mile an hour. But then in the middle of this massive long straight, he does this massive, huge jump, and it looks brutal when he comes down. You can just see it. And then it finishes with him ending up at... Um, his property uh, and mm. having fun driving through um, the uh, start, the jumps and ramps on, on his property in, in Pastrana land. So uh, that's pretty cool. It's very clever. It's very well shot. Um, and, yeah, it's definitely worth, worth a watch on the on the Hoonigan um, channel uh, and check it out. But, yeah, it's um, it's been up since the 8th of December and it's already amassed 8.5 million views. But to yeah. give you an idea, Jim Carter 10, which was the last one, which was a year ago, uh, that's pegged up 31 million views. So pretty yeah. pretty impo pretty impressive stuff. But, um, yeah, they've done a, done a great job. The car is spectacular to watch and, and Travis is um, – yeah, he's he's done very well, and uh, yeah, he drives the car pretty pretty hard. And um, yeah, I don't know what they do to top that, but um, you know, after ten, yeah. ten was ten was impressive. And if you'd ever watched the the Jim Carter files on Amazon Prime, which was fascinating to learn about the lead up to all that, there's been a lot of work involved with this one as well, and lots of officials and people involved with it as well, because you can see obviously the police presence, particularly around Annapolis when they were doing some of the stunts on the street and things like that, but. But, um, yeah, check it out. Uh, tell us what you think. Tell us what your favourite part is. Is, yeah. is it one of the best yet? Um, I Do you have a favourite? Um, I still think my favourite is probably um, LA with eight. Um, I think that's probably one of the best ones they've ever done yeah. just because yeah. of the scale of it and everything they did. <laughs> so, yeah, it's... Um, 
it's entertaining. So yeah, have you had a chance to watch it? Oh, well, uh, well, as you've been talking about, I've had it on. Okay, just watching it, I'm up up to the bit now. Just as the uh, the Red Bull plane takes off, and um, yeah, wow. I think the, this is certainly up there in terms of putting the. Um, I think taking the stunt aspect to the next level, yeah. to the next level, like the the massive jump, not just. Sorry, I was wrong. Yeah. Uh, seven's the the one from uh, from LA. That was the one I'm thinking. Not eight, seven. Yeah, yeah. but yeah, you can just see just the extent of the the jumps and everything. It's... Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think they've just taken that bit. So obviously, Travis has um, his own driving style, and uh. they've made Jim Carner sort of suit. But I think um, you, you can certainly tell, you can see the stress on his face, like what you were talking about before. Uh. It, it it looked like fun, but he he looked terrified most of the time because yeah. um, he's just concentrating that much on it. It's just it's yeah. just amazing to see to see what, that. What's so. amazing with this is that um, you know unlike. Uh, a stunt in a movie um you know this is this is a remarkable thing where they do have you know it, it kind of feels like a, a fine line between having the stunt set up properly and also just maybe being a little bit too far on the edge as well um you know we've got people you know crossing at certain points or sitting in areas and go oh it's so close to where it could go so wrong um uh, and uh, yeah, I think that's sort of part of the the allure to it. Um, every year they step up the filming quality and the angles uh, which they can get, and willingness to sacrifice GoPros. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah. There's a couple I think you can see in the film that actually you know have possibly ended their life during this yeah, during the filming. But yeah, and also I think it's you know kudos to the team putting something like this together, where um, you know the the effort to to set up the cameras, to collect the cameras, to capture and manage the footage, and then edit it all. Mm. Um, you know that that would be an incredible feat, and um, kudos to 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 everybody that put it together because you know like it or not. It's you have to give credit to the to the production that's gone in and 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 to produce this. Yeah, exactly. Well, is there? A, I think I think we've covered most things this week, and we'll have a little bit to talk about next week. Obviously, with Formula One wrapping up, and and will Hamilton be confirmed for next year? We, he's on the entry list, but who knows? Um, we might even not know until uh, next until March, time. possibly. Maybe who knows? That's right. Yeah, or, you know, will he retire? We don't know. Um, so there's a little bit of drama still to go on the Formula One. We ourselves are not too far. We're about an hour away from the kickoff of the race. Um, so we'll sign off and uh, get ready for that. Um, but anything uh, anything exciting planned this week, Joel? Uh, not really. I've got a busy couple of days of, of yeah. stuff uh, on this week. Um, so yeah, it was uh, it was a busy busy week last week, and then uh, busy week this week. Just sort of, um, you know, just as, as everything's starting to wind down before Christmas at the moment. Yeah. Uh, well, um, yeah, I switch into the uh, the Volvo. Um, I hold on to the LC500 for a few more days, and um, yeah, we'll. Uh, but until then, we'll we'll touch base and uh, see what news we get in the next couple of weeks. That's it. Yeah, and then it's uh, Christmas, the new year, and who knows? But boy, has it been a big year of uh, of car news, even though what's happened. 
Yeah, exactly. Even considering what everything that's been going on, it, it, it still has been lots happening and a lot of stuff has been delayed. But um, yeah, it's uh, it's interesting to see, um, you know, what what has come out and what is, you know, what we are going to see next year as well. Yeah, well, I guess uh, if you want to reach out, say good day or ask us any questions um, about, you know, what you should be buying, what you should be uh, looking out for or opinions um, or a car that you'd like us to review, you can email us, um, shows at dailyautofix.com. Um, you can follow Joel at Joel Strick Photo or anything else at Daily Auto Fix. Um, but until then, thanks, Joel. No worries, Ash. All right, and we'll catch everybody uh, here, same time, same place, uh, same uh, podcast channel. (laughs) Speak to you all soon. See ya.